0: We are in our last class of 1 Samuel. Um, It's hard to believe since we're on chapter 22 now, uh, so we have a lot to cover, but get ready for a wild ride because a lot's going to happen between that time. This one might be going a little bit long today, so um, hopefully you have that chunk of time to listen, or obviously you can pause it and come back to it. Now, chapter 22, last week we had left off with David fleeing from Saul. Uh, Saul's trying to kill him again, right? Uh, Now, while he's running, he stopped by Nob, and he needed food. So he ate the consecrated bread. He and his men did. And he kept what he was doing from the priests. the fact that he was running from the priests, uh, because he was trying to protect them from Saul's wrath, if he would have found out that they were harboring him. Uh, So uh, he was given Goliath's sword, so that way he had a weapon. And then he left uh, to the Philistine city of Gath, where Goliath was from. It doesn't seem like the best place to go, but he he went there. Now Gath was one of the five major towns of the Philistines that, again, went along the uh, border in the plains of the Mediterranean Sea. Again, I'm not sure that was the most wise plan, but that's what he was doing. And they recognized him, and he was afraid of that, and so he acted like a madman. Really interesting story, Uh, but it was an effective tactic, and he was allowed to leave, so he left. That brings us to chapter uh, 22. Let's get into verses 1 through 5. David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave Adelam. When his brothers and all of his father's house heard of it, they went over down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them. And there were about 400 men with him. Then David went from there to Mitzpah of Moab, and he said to the king of Moab, Please let my father and my mother come here with you till I know what God will do for me. So he brought them before the king of Moab, and they dwelt with him all that time that David was in the stronghold. Now the prophet of Gad said to David, Do not stay in the stronghold. Depart and go to the land of Judah. So David departed and went to the forest of Hereth. Now, it says stronghold here, but it's talking about like caves, and uh, it's not a specific stronghold, not like a fort or a castle. But uh, we see that David went to the cave of Adullam, and that was between Gath and Bethlehem. So went to Gath, left with essentially that area right between the two. And that area acted as a natural fortress like what we were just talking about. Uh, it is not the last time that he used these caves, so we want to make a, kind of a mental note of that, because he's going to be coming back there. Now, his family, along with 400 men who were also outcast and were drawn to him there, and uh, he's, he's pretty smart, and he gets his family out of that situation and gets them to Moab for safety. Now, here we see the prophet Gad, who is briefly introduced, and uh, um, he'll come up a little bit later on, but he got David to, to leave the fortress uh, in a prophecy that he needed to leave. And and Gad will read about in 2 Samuel uh, that he's pretty, uh, which is a pretty important moment of God's judgment uh, in David and Israel's history in that Second Samuel portion. And of course, we we'll, will be covering that during 2 Samuel. And uh, it is also thought that he helped actually compile and document David's history also. Now let's read verse tw- uh, 6 through 23, so a pretty big portion. When Saul heard that David... And the men who were with him had been discovered. Now Saul was standing in Gibeah under a tamarisk tree in Ramah with his spear in his hand and all of his servants standing about him. Then Saul said to his his servants who stood about him, Hear now, you Benjamites. Will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards and will make you all captains of thousands and captains of hundreds? All of you have conspired against me. And there is no one who reveals to me that my son had made a covenant with the son of Jesse. And there is none of you, not one of you who is sorry for me or reveals to me that my son has stirred up my servant against me to lie in wait as it is this day. Then answered Doug, Doeg, excuse me, Doeg the Edomite, who was set over the servants of Saul and said, I saw the son of Jesse going to Nob, to Ahimelech the son of Ahitab. And he inquired of the Lord for him, gave him provisions, and gave him the sword of Goliath, the Philistine. So the king sent uh, to call Ahimelech the priest, the son of Ahitab, and all his father's house, and the priests who were in Nob. And they all came to the king, and Saul said, Hear now, son of Ahitab. He answered, Here I am, my lord. Then Saul said to him, Why have you conspired against me? you and the son of Jesse, and that you have given him bread and a sword and have inquired of God for him, that he should rise against me to lie in wait as it is this day? So Ahimelech answered the king and said, And who among all your servants is as faithful as David? Who is the king's son-in-law, who goes at your bidding and is honorable in your house? Did I then begin to inquire of God for him? Far be it from me. Let not the king impute anything to his servant, or to any in the house of my father, for your servant knew nothing of all this, little or much. And the king said, You shall surely die, Ahimelech, you and all your father's house. Then the king said to his guards who stood about him, Turn and kill the priests of the Lord, because their hand is also with David, and because they knew when he fled and did not tell it to me. But... The servants of the king would not lift up their hands to strike the priests of the Lord. And the king said to Doeg, You, turn and kill the priests. So Doeg the Edomite turned and struck the priests and killed on that day 85 men who wore the linen ephod. Also Nob, the city of the priests, he struck with the edge of the sword both men and women, children and nursing infants, oxen and donkeys and sheep, With the edge of the sword. Now, one of the sons of Ahimelech, son of Ahithab, named Abithar, escaped and fled after David. And Abithar told David that Saul had killed the Lord's priests. So David said to Abithar, I knew that day when Doeg the Edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul, I have caused the death of all the persons of your father's house. Stay with me, do not fear. For he who seeks my life seeks your life, but with me you shall be safe. So again, a lot's happened through this. Yet David was trying to protect Ahimech, uh, but it wasn't enough. Right? Uh, I'm actually pretty impressed about Saul's servants uh, refusing to kill the priests of God. Sadly, it wasn't enough, and uh, Doeg was, um, he didn't have the same fortitude. As the other servants did, so he killed that eighty-five man. It's um, it's interesting how God told Saul to completely wipe out a people, and he didn't. Uh, but here he feels insulted, so he wiped out God's, uh, you know, the priests of God and all the people in that town and 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 all the animals. On the one hand, though, he's essentially fulfilling the prophecy of judgment against the house of Eli. Um, So there is that. Although he's probably doing it unintentionally. But we see one priest survivor, Abathar, who again came to David for refuge. And he stays with David and will continue to be with him, even after his son Absalom tried to usurp David. And, uh, He'll ultimately be spared, but ended up being dismissed from the priesthood by Solomon because uh, he supported his brother, not him, when there was that contention for the throne. So again, that's something that we'll see in Second Samuel. That leads us to chapter twenty-three. And we're just going to read verses one through six to start out. Then they told David, saying, "Look, the Philistines are fighting against Kaliah, and they are robbing the threshing home, the threshing floors." Therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? The Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and save uh, Keilah. But David's men said to him, Look, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more than if we go to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? Then David inquired of the Lord once again. And the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to Keilah. For I will deliver the Philistines into your hand. And David and his men went to Keilah and fought the Philistines and struck them down with a mighty blow and took away their livestock. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. Now it happened when uh, Abathar, the son of Ahimelech, fled to David at Keilah, that he went down with the ephod in his hand. So we'll stop there. Now David was a truly imperfect person. Uh, he's human, right? But there is a quality about David that uh, I would like to focus on here. And not only here, but obviously, hopefully you've seen it um, previously, but also as we continue our study with David. And I'd really like to uh, consider why I think about why he's considered a man after God's own heart. Um, we see that he is he's truly humble. Uh, and he turns to God for guidance in good times and in bad times. Uh, every every chance he gets, to he turns to God, and you can see that also when he's corrected um, his humility. When he's corrected uh, through his prophets and through his priests, um, his loyalty is—it's uh, hard to be matched. You can see his loyalty through Saul. Throughout Saul's attempts to kill him, you would think that would be justification enough for him to defend himself and kill Saul. But uh, he understands that that position was anointed by God, and he didn't want even anything in, a, in consideration or even a possibility that he was uh, a part of of going against God's will. <clears throat> and he knows that uh, if it's God's will that Saul will die, and he wouldn't have to. It wouldn't have to be him that does it. Uh, you can see also when he's confronted by different people. In 2 Samuel, uh, he's going to be fleeing from his son, Absalom, uh, who and a relative of Saul that's cursing and throwing rocks at David and his men. And David's response is mind-blowing. And it's very thought-provoking. Again, that's something that I will I don't want to spoil for daily studies, but look for that also. Uh, that's That scripture, um, again, I'm going to save for that, but uh, think about these things when comparing Saul to David and why Saul was rejected and why David was considered a man after his own heart. And these are the differences and characters to reflect upon, again, throughout these readings. Again, David had his own faults, but uh, he he was still passionate for God and he still was um, trying to do what's right. Uh, by following God it's also interesting that during his time of running and fleeing and hiding he still is called upon to protect God's people and he, he will do that throughout this time where he is um, evading Saul that in um, verses 7 through 13 we're going to read that and Saul was told that David had gone to Keilah. And so Saul said, God has delivered him into my hand, for he has shut himself in by entering a town that has gates and bars. Then Saul called all the people together for war to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. When David knew that Saul plotted evil against him, he said to Abathar the priest, bring the ephod here." Then David said, O Lord, God of Israel, your servant has certainly heard that Saul seeks to come to Keilah to destroy the city for my sake. Will the men of Keilah deliver me into his hand? Will Saul come down, as your servant has heard? O Lord, God of Israel, I pray, tell your servant. And the Lord said, He will come down. Then David said, Will the men of Keilah deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, They will deliver you. So, David and his men, about 600, arose and departed from Keilah and went wherever they could go. Then it was told Saul that David had escaped from Keilah, so he halted the expedition. Now here we see David had gained a couple hundred supporters. He started out with 400 of all the people, and now he has two uh, 600. Excuse me. That's still not enough uh, to defend against Saul, uh, which was something David didn't even think about. You see that he didn't ask God if he fought, would he win? He just asked if Saul was going to be coming down and then if the men of the city would hand him over. Uh, didn't even, it not even appeared to cross his mind that I'm just going to fight against Saul. Um, and God provided an answer, so they left, they scattered. Uh, 14, 14 through 29. And David stayed in strongholds in the wilderness and remained in the mountains in the wilderness of Zip. Uh, Saul sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hand. So David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life, and David was in the wilderness of Zip in the forest. When Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in in God, and he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Even my father Saul knows that. So the two of them made a co- covenant before the Lord, and David stayed in the woods, and Jonathan went to his own house. Now when the Ziphites came up to Saul and give you a saying, Is David not hiding with us in the strongholds in the woods? Or in the hill of uh, Hakalah, which is on the south of Jeshimon? Now therefore, O king, come down according to all the desire of your soul to come down, and our part shall be to deliver him into the king's hand. And Saul said, Blessed are you of the Lord, for you have compassion on me. Please, go and find out for sure, and see this place where the hideout is, and who has seen him there, for I am told he is very crafty. See, therefore... And take knowledge of all the lurking places where he hides, and come back to me with certainty, and I will go out to you, go out with you. And it shall be if he is in the land that I will search for him throughout all the clans of Judah. So they arose and went to Zip for Saul. But David and his men were in the wilderness of Maon, in the plain on the south of Jeshimon. When Saul and his men went to seek him, they told David Therefore, he went down to the rock and stayed in the wilderness of Mount. And when Saul heard that, he pursued David into the wilderness of Maon. Then Saul went on one side of the mountain, and David and his men were on the other side of the mountain. So David made haste to get away from Saul, for Saul and his men were encircling David and his men to take them. But a messenger came to Saul, saying, Hurry and come, for the Philistines have invaded the land. Therefore... Saul returned from pursuing David and went against the Philistines. So they called that place Rock of Escape. Then David went up from there and dwelt in the strongholds at En-Jedi." That was close. Now, uh, Zip was a city that was along a main route through the woods and mountain region uh, in southern Israel in uh, Judah's uh, territory. Now, here we continue to see David on the run. Uh, and we're going to see him on the run for a long time. And we're going to see what occurs during that time. It's pretty much going to be the rest of this book. Uh, and that leads us to chapter 24. I'm going to read verses 1 through 22. Now, it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines, that it was told to him, saying, Take note, David is in the wilderness of En-Jedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel, and went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. So he came to the sheep folds by the road, and there was a cave. and Saul went in to attend to his needs. David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave. Then the men of David said to him, this is the day of the Lord which the Lord said to you behold I will deliver your enemy into your hand that you may do with him as seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Now, it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise up against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and he went on his way. David also arose and went out of the cave and called out to Saul, saying, My Lord the King! And Saul looked behind him. David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed down. And David said to Saul, Why do you listen to these words of men who say, Indeed, David seeks your harm? Look, this this day your eyes have seen that the Lord delivered you today into my hand in the cave. And someone urged me to kill you. But my eye spared you. And I said, I will not stretch out my hand against the Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Moreover, my father, see, yes, see the corner of your robe in my hand, for in that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you. Know and see that there is neither evil nor rebellion in my hand, and I have not sinned against you. Yet you hunt my life to take it, Let the Lord judge between you and me. Let the Lord avenge me on you. But my hand shall not be against you. As the proverb of the ancient says, wickedness proceeds from the wicked. But my hand shall not be against you. After whom has the king of Israel come out? Whom do you pursue? A dead dog? A flea? Therefore, let the Lord be judge. And judge between you and me, and see and plead my case, and deliver me out of your hand. So it was when David had finished speaking these words that Saul, as uh, words to Saul, that Saul said, "Is this your voice, my, my son David?" And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. Then he said to David. You are more righteous than I, for you have rewarded me with good, whereas whereas I have rewarded you with evil. And you have shown this day how you have dwelt, dealt well with me. For the, when the Lord delivered me into your hand, you did not kill me. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him go, get away safely? Therefore, may the Lord reward you You with good for what you have done to me this day. And now I know indeed that you shall surely be king, and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. Therefore, swear now to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants after me, and that you will not destroy my name from my father's house. So David swore to Saul. And Saul went home, but David and his men went up to the stronghold. Here again we see that character, uh, that the character of David is unique. And that uniqueness and uh, that faith in God, it, just so, it was so obvious and that it overwhelmed Saul, that his loyalty to him. He, uh, he has known that, but it was shown even more that God was with David, and that David would become king. It's interesting that uh, Saul had David swear an oath not to wipe out his descendants when he becomes king. That's pretty standard, though, for uh, when kingdoms exchange hands, that children and anyone who has any claims to the throne would be killed off. So he's saying, whenever that happens, don't kill off uh, my people. But it's interesting, that relationship he thought that, that was something that was uh, he should do. But David did. <clears throat> so then Saul just left and went home with his men. And again, 3,000 men, that's that's essentially a standing army. And that he would call for, call for all of Israel to, to join him if there was a bigger fight. You would think or hope that that would be the end of it. At least, thankfully, David had learned, uh, and he didn't go back playing the harp for him at this point, but uh, it's not going to be the end of it. Chapter 25 starts out with something that might be changing, and the reason why that changed. And we're just going to read verse 1. Then Samuel died, and the Israelites gathered together and lamented for him and was buried with him at his home in Ramah. Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. So, uh, remember that Saul had not seen Samuel uh, after their separation. They went to their own locations and uh, even though Samuel uh, was remorseful and upset about Saul, that was the end of it, They they didn't see each other again. And. Samuel passing, again, that might have been the reason that Saul changed his mind and changed his mind to go against his oath to kill David. David, knowing that Samuel was, uh, he kind of knew that that wasn't going to be good for him after Samuel passed. So, you know, he had been moving a lot down in Judah, all throughout the mountainy region there. And um, after Samuel's death, he went to the wilderness of Paran, which is a lot farther away uh, away from Saul. And that's in the area that uh, is not part of Judah. It's um, in the area where they were wandering the wilderness. The people of Israel were running, wandering the wilderness for 40 years in the desert. So that's, I mean, again, that's pretty far away. Um, so he recognized that and got out of that situation. And now verse... 2 through 44, that leads us to the story of uh, Nabal and Abigail. Now we're not going to read through that. It's a pretty big story, uh, but there's obviously, uh, there's some, there's some good parts of it and some things that we should uh, reflect upon. Now this occurred in the area of Mount Carmel. So it was in the area that he was hiding. And um, there was a rich man, Nabal, who had a large herd 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, right? And he had a wife, Abigail. Now Nabal was the descendant of Caleb. And Caleb was the spy who brought back a positive report after spying out the promised land uh, the, f- the first time they crossed Jordan before the wandering in the 40 years, right? And Caleb was granted the ability to enter into the promised land. Uh, and he was also given land by Joshua. And this is kind of that area that he's still in. Now Nabal was, he's, a, he's described as an evil and a harsh man. While Al- Abigail, on the other hand, was smart, and she's intellectual and she was attractive. Um, Nabal is referred to by just about everyone in this chapter, uh, including Abigail, as a worthless man. And we talked about the, the uh, meaning of that and the severity of that meaning. Now, uh, David, again, he was in that region. He sent 10 men to talk to Nawal, reminding him that since he was in that region, he was taking care of and protecting his workers and his flocks. And so he asked for him during this time um, when they would sheave the the goats and they'd do the cutting. It was a festival. And so he asked him if he would provide food from his feast, uh, that they were preparing for that. And Nabal insults David, right? He uh, returns an unfavorable response. And uh, in turn, David responded by getting 400 of his men to arm themselves and were going down to punish Nabal. And he was essentially, he was gonna kill every male in, in uh, Nabal's uh, territory. All the people that worked for him, all the people that lived with him, all his family. Now a worker informed Abigail about this and how good of uh, how good David's men treated them and um, took care of them and, and didn't cheat them. And he told them about he told her about Nabal's response and the expected response of that from David and his men. So Abigail collected and She was smart. She was intelligent about this. She collected a large amount of food, and was able to get that all together and send that to David and intercept David before he got there. Now, once she met him, she begged for mercy, along with addressing her concern for David's integrity, for uh, the fact that he was going to be his kingship was going to soon to come, and how this wouldn't look good on that because of uh, because of the situation. And David praised her. He he was convinced and praised her. And so he relented and he accepted the gift of food that she had brought him. Again, we see uh, Abigail and how intelligent she is. And so she got back home and Nabal was drunk. And so she waited for him to process all the alcohol out of his system. And once he was sober, she told Nabal about how close he came to being obliterated And so when she did, his heart died, it says his heart died, and he became like a stone. So it's possibly a stroke, Uh, that's what it kind of sounds like, and that he died uh, 10 days later. David heard this, uh, praise God, and he ended up proposing to Abigail, which she accepted. Now, it's interesting there in this, uh, this passage, too, is that it's also mentioned that Saul had given his daughter, Michael, who was married to David, to another. He married her off because since David ran away and wasn't coming back. And that brings us to chapter 26. And we're going to cruise through that a little bit. Um, just do a quick overview. Uh, it's pretty similar to the account that happened before. Saul heard from the people in the area, the, the Ziphonites, that David was in that area. And so Saul took his standing army, 3,000 men with him, and went to the area. And while they were camped, God made Saul's men sleep deeply. So David and another male, uh, another one of his soldiers, Abishai, crept into the camp. And Abishai wanted to strike Saul once and kill him. But David refused to let that happen. And instead, he took uh, the water container and the spear from by his head. You know Saul and his spears, how much he liked them. And after they were safe, he called out and Saul again, realizing the error of his way, returned home. After, they had, Of course, there was some discord there between the two of them and some uh, conversation. But he realized that and went home. And Now leads us to chapter 27. Now, chapter 27, I'd like to read uh, verses 1 through 7. And David said in his heart, Even though Saul left, David said in his heart, Now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than than that I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines. And Saul will despair of me to seek me any more in uh, any part of Israel. So I shall escape out of his hand. Then David arose and went over with the 600 men, who were with him, to Achish, the son of Moak, king of Gath. So David dwelt with Achish at Gath, he and his men, each man with his household, and David with his two wives, and the Jezreelitess, and Abigail the Carmelitess, Nabal's widow. And it was told to Saul that David had fled to Gath, so he sought him no more. Then David said to Achish, If I have now found favor in your eyes, let them give me a place in some town in the country that I may dwell there. For why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you? So Achish gave him Ziklag, Ziklag that day. Therefore Ziklag has belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. Now the time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistines was one full year and four months. It's understandable. David, he got sick of running from Saul. He might have thought that uh, that last instance was too close. So he fled to Gath, which isn't the first time he fled to Gath. Achish, the king uh, of Gath, for some reason he trusted him now, and he let him live there again for some reason. He was even given the area of Ziklag. Where he lived for, like we just read, a year and four months. <clears throat> Interesting strategy on both parts. Um, first of all, David's fling to Gath, which it ended up working out for him. Saul so stopped running after him. And then Achish for letting David, someone who kills Philistines, live there. Maybe they thought the enemy of my enemy is my friend. I don't know. But they had a relationship uh, where they trusted each other somewhat. Um, obviously we're going to see if that strategy works out for them both. And we're going to read uh, verse 8 and we're actually going to go from verse 8 and into chapter 28 to verse 2. And David and his men went up and raided the Jeshurites, the uh, Gizurites and the Amalekites. For those nations were the inhabitants of the land of old, as you go to Shur, even as far as the land of Egypt. Whenever David attacked the land, he left neither man nor woman alive, but took away the sheep and the oxen and the donkeys and the camels and the apparel, and returned and came to Achish. Then Achish would say, Where have you raided today? today." And David would say, Against the southern area of Judah or against the southern area of the Jeremelites, or against the southern area of the Kenites. David would save neither man nor woman alive to bring news to Gath, saying, lest they should inform one of saying, thus David did. And thus was his behavior all the time he dwelt in the country of the Philistines. So, Achish believed David, saying, He has made his people Israel utterly abhor him abhor him, excuse me, Uh, therefore he will be my servant forever. Now it happened in those days that the Philistines gathered their armies together for war uh, to fight Israel. And Achish said to David, you assuredly know that you will go out with me to battle you and your men. So David said to Achish, surely you know what your servant can do. And Achish said to David, therefore I will make you one of my chief guardians forever. So we don't see that strategy that Achish had work out so well for him. He's actually pillaging the Philistines at the time. What kind of culture and what kind of lifestyle was going on that you could completely wipe out a town, completely wipe out a town, and it doesn't automatically come back on you, right? Uh, who did this? Who know? We don't know. It's, having that many enemies, that many people attacking you, um, always in a um, constant fear of being attacked and being wiped out. Something normal that happened during these times. That leads us to chapter 3, verse 25. Again, it's another big section and there's going to be a lot to talk about with this one. But, uh, Let's get uh, 3 through 25. Now, Samuel has died, and all of Israel had lamented for him and buried him in Ramah in his own city. And Saul had put mediums and the spirits, uh, spiritists out of the land. Then the Philistines gathered together and came and encamped at uh, Shunem. So Saul gathered all Israel together, and they camped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by Urim or by the prophets. Then Saul said to his servants, Find me a woman who is a medium, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, In fact, there is a woman who is a medium at Endor. So Saul disguised himself and put on other clothes, and he went, and two men with him, and they came to the woman by night. And he said, Please conduct a seance seance for me. And there's different uh, translations with this, but uh, essentially the same thing. Conduct a seance for me and bring up for me the one I shall name to you. Then the woman said, Look, you know what Saul has done, how he has cut off the mediums and the spiritists from the land. Why then do you lay a snare for my life to cause me to die? And Saul swore to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. And the woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? And he said, Bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. And the woman spoke to Saul, saying, Why have you deceived me? For you are Saul. And the king said to her, Do not be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said to Saul, Saw a spirit ascending out of the earth. So he said to her, What is his form? And she said, An old man coming up, and he is covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Saul. So he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed down. Now Saul said to Samuel, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? And Saul answered, I am deeply distressed, for the Philistines make war against me, and God has departed from me and does not answer me any more, neither by the prophets nor by dreams. Therefore I have called you, that you may reveal to me what I should do. Then Samuel said, So why do you ask me, seeing as the Lord has departed from you and has become your enemy? And the Lord has done for himself as it to your neighbor David, because you did not obey the voice of the Lord nor execute his fierce wrath upon Amalek. Therefore, the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Moreover, The Lord will also deliver Israel with you into the hand of the Philistines. And tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. The Lord will also deliver the army of Israel into the hand of the Philistines. Immediately Saul fell full length on the ground and was dreadfully afraid because of the words of Samuel. And there was no strength in him, for he had eaten no food all day or all night. And the woman came to Saul, and saw that he was severely troubled, and said to him, Look, your maidservant has obeyed your voice, and I have put my life in my hands, and heeded the words which he spoke to me. Now therefore, please heed also the voice of your maidservant, and let me set a piece of bread before you, and eat, that you may have strength when you go on your way. But he refused, and said, I will not eat. So his servants, together with the woman, urged him, and he heeded their voice, he arose from the ground, sat on the bed. Now the woman had a fattened calf in the house, and she hastened to kill it. She took flour from uh, flour and kneaded it, and baked unleavened bread from it. So she brought it before Saul and his servants, and they ate. And they arose and went away that night. Okay, so again, there's a lot to talk about with this one. Uh, the Philistines, they've gathered for battle, and... They went up to go fight up against the Israelites with David and his men being a part of that number. Saul had gathered the forces of Israel, but he still didn't trust in God and was fearful. Makes sense since God wasn't talking to him. And so he went to a medium for advice. Or at least to raise someone up for advice. Now, the question here that needs to be answered is, By what power was Samuel raised? And there's only three answers that it could be. It could be by her power. It could be by Satan's power. Or it could be by God's power. Now, first of all, that should be a pretty easy answer to um, question and answer. First of all, um, we have to kind of also address why was and why is witchcraft or sorcery condemned? Why is it why is it uh, we told him not to even mess with it It is man placing himself in God's place which is the completely opposite of what we should be doing That desire is why man was ejected from the garden of Eden The only Power we have over death is our own spiritual death, and that's by deciding to follow God, entering into that covenant relationship with Him, and being cleansed by His Son Jesus' blood, and be saved by His grace. Now, who has power over all or any death? Only God. That's the only one. That's the only the only thing, only person. Obviously, we see that Jesus has that power when he's alive on this earth and after. But by God's power was Samuel able to give one last prophecy to Saul. The uh, creation does not have the creator's power and abilities. And to claim otherwise is errant and it takes away from how great our God is and the role that we've been put in as his creation. Now let's reflect back on this section here. We see that the medium was terrified when she saw Samuel and she thought he was and the Hebrew hearers Elohim or God. She thought he was a God and did not recognize him. Uh, it also shows how much she did not know or understand of the spiritual realm. Now, we don't know exactly what happened to her during this conversation between Saul and Samuel, their interaction. But we do see at the end of it that uh, she came to him and saw that he was severely troubled. Did she leave? I mean, what, why, where is she coming to him from? So, we're not given specifics but it's strange that uh, she was not there right there with him at this point. Again, how much time has elapsed? We know after the fact that it was a day that he was still laying there, but we don't know. So that uh, leads us to uh, chapter 29. And this is going to be verses, we're going to read verses, <laughs> a big section here, uh, one and all the way into chapter 30. So, because this is is kind of a uh, big thing that happens with David. And it's, for the most part, self-explanatory. There's not a lot to uh, touch base about on this. But chapter 29, Then the Philistines gathered together, all their armies at Aphek, and the Israelites encamped by the fountain which is in Jezreel. And the lords of the Philistines passed in review by hundreds and by thousands but David and his men passed in review at the rear with Achish. Then the princes of the Philistines said, What are these Hebrews doing here? And Achish said to the princes of the Philistines, Is this not David, the servant of Saul, king of Israel, who has been with me these days or these years? And to this day I have found no fault in him since he defected to me. But the princes of the Philistines were angry with him, So the princes of the Philistines said to him, Make this fellow return, that he may go back to the place which you have appointed for him. Do not let him go down with us to battle, lest in the battle he become our adversary. For with what could he reconcile himself to his master, if not the heads of these men? Is it not David whom they sang to one another in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands? Then Achish called David and said to him, Surely, as the Lord lives, you have been upright, and you're, outgoing, and you're going out, and you're coming in with me, and the army is good in my sight. For to this day I have not found evil in you since the day of your coming with me. to me. Nevertheless, the lords do not favor you. Therefore, return now, go in peace, that you may not displease the lords of the Philistines. So David said to Achish, But what have I done? And to this day what have you found in your servant as long as I have been with you? that I may not go out and fight against the enemies of my lord, uh, the king. Then Achish answered and said to David, I know that you are as good in my sight as an angel of God. Nevertheless, the princes of the Philistines have said uh, that he shall not go up with us to battle. Now therefore, rise early in the morning with your master's servants who have come with you, and as soon as you are up early in the morning and have light, depart. So David and his men rose early to depart in the morning to return to the land of the Philistines. And the Philistines went up to Jezreel. Actually, we'll stop there and just uh, touch base about this. And that is um, that the princes of the Philistines, so remember there's five Philistine cities
1: and
0: and essentially territories, but cities that cover a large area. So uh, each one of those princes is one of those cities represents one of those cities and so obviously they come to a conclusion that they don't want these, they don't don't need or they don't want David with them so they send him away. So we kinda see almost like an independence uh, between the Philistine cities uh, even though they come together to fight. Alright and now we go to chapter 30. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked, and Ziklag attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken captive the women and those who were with them from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but they carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city and there it was burned with fire and their wives, and their sons, and their daughters have been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Aninoam, the Jezreelites, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people Spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved for every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abathar the priest, Ah Ahimelech's son, Please bring me the ephod here. And Abathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue. For you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. So David went, he and his six hundred men who were with him, and came to the Brook Bezor, uh, where those stayed uh, where those stayed who were left behind. But David pursued he and four hundred men, for two hundred stayed behind, who were so weary they could not cross uh, the brook Bezor. Then they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David, and they gave him bread and he ate, and they had him drink water, and they gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. So when he had eaten, his strength came back to him, for he had eaten no bread nor drunk water for three days and three nights. Then David said to him, To whom do you belong and where are you from? He said, I am a young man from Egypt, servant of an Amalekite. And my master left me behind, because three days ago I fell sick. We made an invasion of the south area of the Chetherites in the territory which, belonged to, which belongs to Judah, and of the southern area of Caleb. And we burned Ziglag with fire. And David said to him, Can you take me down to this troop? So he said, Swear to me by God that you will neither kill me nor deliver me in the hands of my master, And I will take you down to this troop. And when he had brought him down, there they were, spread out all over the land, eating and drinking and dancing, because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. Then David attacked them from twilight until evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped, except four hundred young men who rode on camels. David rescued his two wives. And nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, or sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. Then David took all the flocks and the herds they had driven before those other livestock and said, This is David's spoil. Now, David came to the 200 men who had been so weary that they could not follow David, uh, whom they had also made stay at the brook Bazor. So they went out to meet David and and to meet with the people who were with them. And when David uh, came near to the people, he greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless men of those who were with David answered and said, Because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except for every man's wife and child, children, that they may lead them away and depart. But David said, my brethren, you shall not do so with what the Lord has given us. Who has preserved us and delivered into our hand the troop that made that, that came against us? For who will heed you in this matter? But as is his part, is he who goes down to battle, so shall his part be who stays with the supplies. They shall share alike. So it was from that day forward he made it a, a statute and an ordinance for Israel to this day. Now, when David came to Ziklag, he sent some of the spoils to the elders of Judah, to his friends, saying, Here is a present for you from the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. To those who were in Bethel, to those who were in Ramoth of the south, to those uh, who were in Jatar, Jatir, those who were in Aor, those who were in uh, Sitmoth, those who were in Eshtimoah, those who were in Rachel, those who were in the city of the Jeremelites, those who were in the city of the Kenites, and those who were in Horma, those who were in uh, Chorasan, those who were in Athach, those who were in Hebron, and all the places where David himself and his men were accustomed to rove. All right, I'm going to stop there. Man, God's good. Uh, his blessings are so numerous. And we see that here with David. Uh, with David and his men along with the other Philistines. So they had gone off war, uh, and that made that area that they lived ripe for plunder. And that is exactly what was done. Um, they came in and plundered what was left since all the men were gone to war. But no one was killed, which is amazing. Now, obviously David was successful in catching them and fighting them, and man, they must have gotten a lot Back because they were not only raiding the Philistine areas, but they were also raiding Judah. And so they must have come away with a whole lot. And it's pretty impressive that David was making sure that his men uh, got uh, all shared alike. Even even though some of those, and again, those two hundred men were too weak to even continue on, um, he he made sure that they got their their share, and that's impressive. Uh, That's something you don't normally see, and that leads us to the last chapter, the finishing part of Saul, Um, ending of the Saul's reign. Chapter thirty-one. Now the Philistines fought against Israel, and the men of Israel fled from before the Philistines and fell slain on Mount Gilboa. Then the Philistines followed hard after Saul and his sons, and the Philistines killed Jonathan. Abinadab, and Malchusah, Saul's sons. The battle became fierce against Saul. The archers hit him, and he was severely wounded by the archers. Then Saul said to his armor-bearer, Draw your sword and thrust me through with it, lest these uncircumcised men come and thrust me through and abuse me. But his armor-bearer would not, for he was greatly afraid. Therefore Saul took a sword, and he fell on it. And when his armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he also fell on his sword and died with him. So Saul, his three sons, his armor bearer, and all his men died together with him the same day, that same day. And when all of the men of Israel who were on the other side of the valley, and those who were on the other side of the Jordan saw that the men of Israel had fled, and that Saul and his sons were dead, they forsook the cities and fled. And the Philistines came and dwelt in them. So it happened the next day when the Philistines came to strip the slain that they found Saul and his three sons fallen on Mount Geboa, And they cut off the head, cut off his head and stripped off his armor and sent word throughout the land of the Philistines to proclaim it in the temple of their idols and among the people. They put his armor in the temple of the Asherahs and they fastened his body on the wall of Bethshan. Now when the inhabitants of uh, Jabesh Gilead heard what the Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men rose and traveled all night and took the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall of Bethshan. And they came to Jabesh and burned them there. Then they took their bones and buried them under the tamarisk tree at Jabesh and fasted seven days. What an ending for Saul! If I had more time, I'd like to. I would have liked to cross-reference uh, the other accounts of uh, Saul's defeat and death, but <laughs> we don't have time for that. This has been going on long enough, to, uh, as it as it uh, going on too long. Now, what an ending for Saul! And it's it's sad to see Jonathan also uh, have such an ending. But Saul really saw to it that his lineage was going to end um, by his disobedience for God and his uh, continuing rebellion against God. And here it did. It did end. Now, next week, uh, Jaylee's going to be picking up again in 2 Samuel about the repercussions after Saul's death and that beginning of that new era for Israel under David. So, again, hopefully this has been edifying for you. Um, It's been a good time. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for, again, traveling through the reign of Saul with me through Samuel, First Samuel, and uh, may God bless you through his word and in your life.